Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds, fish nerds, fish nerds, it's a podcast. Just for the halibut! Friday Hello and welcome to the Fish Nerds, a show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. It's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Clay Groves, licensed fishing guide. Your host and your new best friend. We're excited today on the podcast. We are going to chat with the creator and host of Play Comics and Meddling Kids podcast. Stay tuned. We'll get some details there. We're going to do the news. We're going to tell some fish stories and we have a few extra surprises on here as well. Um, the news tonight is especially interesting. and can't wait to, to get in on it. But first, I want to welcome my guest co-host, Chris Osborne from Play Comics. You can find that at playcomics.com and Meddling Kids, meddlingkidspod.com. I listened today to Play Comics. Uh, they did an episode on um, Judge Dredd, which is a, oh God, who's the guy? Uh, Sylvester you know, Stallone. Yeah, Stallone, Stallone. Stallone movie. And, and what Play Comics is, is they take uh, video games and movies and they compare the two. And uh, I got sucked into this Judge Dredd vortex today. And uh, I've never actually played the Dredge, Dredge, Judge, I can't say it, Judge Dredd video game. But now that I, now that I've heard Chris talk about it, I, now I need to see it. So this show uh, is Next Level Nerdy. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. And I hope that we convince you that you don't actually need to play the Judge Dredd game yourself. You just need to sit there and laugh while somebody else plays it. Oh, no. No, you've convinced me. I need to, first of all, I need seven GameCubes, four Nintendos. Uh, original NES is not not 64s, uh, and I need this game. I need to see it. I have at least one copy of it. Do you? And, Unfortunately, and, it's Genesis. Oh, you know, I never liked that stupid Genesis system. See, that's what I had growing up. And yeah. Most of the time, when I hear people say that, they were stuck with the three button controller the whole time. Mm-hmm. You get a six button controller. You can play Street Fighter the way it was meant to be played, <laughs> and you can just have all the extra buttons. Uh, now, I, Chris, I don't know how old you are, but I was in high school when the original NES came out, Nintendo Entertainment System, and I would I had a in my bedroom a, a console TV that probably weighed three hundred pounds. On top of it was a Betamax VCR that probably weighed seventy five pounds, and then I had it all hooked up into my original NES. And my favorite game was Marble Madness where you'd have to drive this marble down these really narrow tracks and follow it through the whole game. And you couldn't pause this. Well, you could pause it, but you couldn't save this game for later. You had to pause it. And so I would play this game 24 hours a day. I would pause it, go to school, come home, unpause it, you know, in the middle of the night, wake up at 2 and play it some more. And then I would put a blank Betamax uh, tape in the, in the thing. I would record myself playing the harder levels the ones I knew I was going to fail on, and I would watch them back later to see how I would do. I had blisters on my thumbs, and my friends, great friends, called me Nintendo No Friendo. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to make you feel bad about yourself, but when the NES came out, I was like negative one years old. Oh my god! I have baby. never seen a Betamax anything in real life. Oh, I tell you what, though, if you're ever at a yard sale and you see one, buy it. They're worth a mint on eBay. Yeah, they're they're a better player than the VHSs, and that's why Sony never released the patent. Sony invented VHS and Betamax, 
and they held on to that one because it's a better quality uh, screen, you know, video and all that stuff. But because they didn't release a patent on it, they got outcompeted with VHSs. So that's the, there you go. I know far too much about Betamax. <laughs> they should just release it now, compete with Blu-rays. Oh, man. Blu-rays and laser discs. Did you ever have laser discs? I did in schools. I never had one at my house. Yeah, they never actually worked that well. But they look awesome. Like they look, they looked futuristic if you're in the past. All right, so let's let's hear about you. Can you pitch? Give me the pitch for your meddling kids podcast. So meddling kids is a show that my wife and I took over from Julie Kin and Stephen Pappas. They just both had life things pop up and couldn't do it anymore. But it's a show where my wife and I are continuing their journey of going through all the episodes, all the movies of Scooby Doo, kind of tying it to other thing cartoons that have been out over the years and just really examining why Scooby-Doo kept, has survived for 40 plus years now and not every other Hanna-Barbera cartoon that came out at the same time. Yeah. Well, I, it's funny. I used to watch Hanna-Barbera cartoons and I, I never loved Scooby-Doo uh, unless there was a special guest on. So like when Batman and Robin were on, I'm in. When the Globe Trotters were on, I'm in. But beyond that, I never, ever even liked it a little bit. Not my style. My wife definitely likes the show a lot more than me. You know, She's mm. somebody who would come up and watch it every chance she gets, watch the episode no matter how many times she's seen it before. I mean, I mean don't get me wrong. I really like it too. But you know, I'm not going to sit there and watch the same episode three days in a row just because that's where I happen to catch it in the Cartoon Network Marathon. <laughs> but you're in, but she's in. She is all in all day long. We're paying for Boomerang so she could watch them. God, I'm sorry. Well, you look, if that's, if that's the worst habit your wife has, you're winning. So. Oh, definitely. <laughs> all right. So, hey, listen, we make a fishing podcast, not a, not a podcast about uh, comic books and video games. So I, I posted today on Facebook. I said, hey, who wants to come on the show tonight? And you were like, oh, oh, pick me. Why are you here? What's going on? I like to eat fish. Oh, and good. <laughs> I, honestly, that was the first thing I thought of because we live in Charleston. It's a mm -hmm. nice coastal city. You're in Charleston? Yeah. I vacation at Folly Beach. You you need to tell me these things before you come down. I love it. I freaking love it down there. I know a guy I can set you up on a fishing trip with. If you Do you? Oh, I'm in. I'm in. He's Last got the time best I spot for sheep's head. Or at least that's what he says. <sighs> I haven't been out with him yet. I've never caught a sheep's head. Oh, I've seen his pictures and he comes back with, it looks like, I mean, completely seriously, like 20, I think is his lowest I've seen. Mm -hmm. No kidding. That's amazing. Oh, I'm in. I'm in. The last guy took me out. We got stranded in low tide uh, in an oyster bed and had to wait for the tide to come back in. So we spent like four hours in 120 degree heat. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, it's awful. Here's it. So people who don't know Charleston, I'm going I'm to help people out. If you go there in August, you will die. That's what yeah. I know about Charleston. So we went in August Even my first you time. Here, you're not yes. Used to. And we're, we're, we're staying in a uh, condo right on the Folly River, right? And this beautiful Folly River is full of like sunken ships and stuff. And there's no laws in, in apparently in South Carolina. So if, you're, if your boat sinks in the river, you don't have to get it out. So it's full of these, these sunken sailboats with masts sticking out of the water and dolphins everywhere. Like they're almost a menace. There's so many of them. 
but it's, it's so hot, your skin feels like it's going to melt. And so you think, hey, look, there's the Folly River, which is actually just a tidal um, <laughs> waterway between the island and mainland. And you think, I'm going to jump in the water. I'm going to cool down. I'm going to feel great. And you jump in the water and you learn that you can sweat underwater. The water is so hot in, in the Folly River that you, can, you sweat under it. It's bizarre. I've never experienced that before. It's the weirdest thing down here. Yeah. Like, our seasons are summer mm-hmm. and not quite summer yet. And <laughs> oh yeah, it's been winter for 10 minutes. Oh, and so I went on a ghost tour in Charleston. Uh, we paid like the 20 bucks and we're walking around the ghost tour and at nighttime, like you expect, like I live in New England. If it gets to be 90 degrees in the, in the daytime, by 10 o'clock at night, it's, you know, 65 degrees. Like that would be a hot night. So like it's, it doesn't stay hot up here, but it stays hot at nighttime in Charleston. And so we're walking around the city on this ghost tour. We're sweating buckets. And I sat down uh, on an old grave while the woman was droning on about some ghost. And I don't, <laughs> I don't like this stuff anyway. I don't buy into any kind of ghosty stories. So she's droning on. My wife's getting scared. And I passed out and started snoring on a grave during a ghost tour of Charleston. That's ah, that's my big experience. It was one of the church graveyards too, wasn't it? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, did they follow you back up to New Hampshire and haunt your entire life? I one never knows. One never knows. The problem is, I wouldn't recognize them if they did. So my my. See, so here's the thing with Charleston ghosts: like yeah. they're ghosts, they're annoying, but they have more laws than we do. So oh, you need man. to take some of this blue paint and I'll send you the right color blue later mm-hmm. and just paint it at the top of like the roof of your porch or something. Mm-hmm. And then that's close enough to water. They won't get through as easily. It works more for witches, but I found that it stops the ghosts a lot too. Oh, good. Yeah. You got to stop those witches and ghosts. All right. So um, in Charleston, you guys have great seafood there. And when I was downtown, I ate, I ate a shot that had an oyster and like Bloody Mary mix and vodka in it. Have you, have you done that, done that shot? I've done that one. It's about the only way I like oysters. Yeah. Cause they're buried in vodka. Yep. <laughs> now, do you eat blue crab? I eat blue crab every chance I get. Every chance. So I went crabbing while I was down there. I, 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 I bought a crab pot and I went to a local Walmart down there and I filled it full of chicken legs and I used a paddleboard. I paddled out in the middle of Folly River and dropped that thing down there. And four hours later, the thing was crazy packed with blue crab. And, and I grew up in New Jersey and we have blue crab there as well. And uh, I boiled them and I spent about five hours picking crab. And then I made the most delightful crab cakes ever. I just was so pleased. (laughs) So much work, but so good. Oh, it's so worth it. You want to know the worst part, though, about all of this? My wife grew up here. She doesn't like seafood. What? That's what I say. I always think people who don't like seafood haven't tasted enough of it. Like, it's such a... See, normally I would agree with you there because I mean, you get somebody from Iowa or something, you know, mm-hmm. they just don't have good access to seafood. But she grew up here, here. Mm-hmm. And just for whatever reason, like I could kind of understand shrimp because she says it looks too much like a bug. Well, we call them bugs, you know. Yeah. Crabs so too. I can, get, so. I can get that. Or like lobster, most of the time when it's served, it still looks like a lobster. So right. it's like, okay. But like but, crab cakes? Yeah. Come on. It doesn't matter. She still yeah. won't eat it. 
Yeah, I'll tell you though what is gross, and I don't care who tells me different, is a she crab soup uh, and crab dip. Two things I hate. She crab soup is amazing. Wrong. And crab dip is really dependent on who makes it. Right. When the, the problem, my biggest problem with crab dip is every single place I've had it, and it's about six different places, they serve this crab dip. It looks like cottage cheese, pink cottage cheese, and they serve it to you. And then they give you these little crackers, and each cracker is individually wrapped in plastic. And I, yeah, that part really sucks. I hate that kind of waste. <laughs> and so for me, right then, I'm like, we're at a restaurant. Why am I having to peel plastic off a cracker? But that's that's like every restaurant I've been to in Charleston. That's how they serve it. Like it's just the standard. No, there was a point where I refused to eat shrimp because I used to work in restaurants here, mm-hmm. and so when I washed dishes, I would have to peel at least five pounds of shrimp a night. Good times. <laughs> but I got really good at stabbing up through where the spine would be if they actually had that still in there with a fork and opening it up that way. Mm, so you're really good at it. Yeah. But, but fresh shrimp is delightful as well, but your shrimp down there is small. So it's a lot of work to get five pounds of shrimp. Right. You know, I, I, my parents live out in Washington state and the shrimp out there are like, you know, like nine inches long. So when you, when you peel that tail off, it's like a, that whole, that one, that one shrimp tail is almost a meal all by itself. Lucky. It's a different See, game. I wish we had that. <laughs> but you guys have sharks. You have all kinds of cool fish. I, I, I fish the Folly Pier all the time when I go down there. I just, I just love it. I, it's a great place to be. Like, I'm a little, I wish I had known you were there last time I was there. My in-laws are going down next week, but I'm not. So I'm sorry. Oh, see, so you should just stow away and go with them. Yeah, the problem is I have this thing called a job. So Yes. <laughs> but but this, is, this is great. Next time I come down there, we'll get together. We'll do it. And I oh, met God, my guy. We'll we'll yeah. all skip work. Yeah. Well, I won't be working. But I met a guy. I was at a conference in Atlanta a few weeks ago, and I met a guy who lives in Charleston and runs a strawberry farm. And my, so my in laws are going down this week, and they're bringing. I make my own maple syrup. They're bringing maple syrup down, and they're going to bring back all this kind of fresh strawberry jam for me. It's a good trade. Which strawberry farm is it? Because I probably know them. I couldn't even remember if I had to. So, <laughs> but his wife was at the conference I was at. He was sitting around. We just started chatting. Somehow we got talking about maple syrup. And he went, wait a minute, you make your own maple syrup? And he got really jazzed. He goes, I want some. How do I get it? I said, where do you live? He said, Charleston. And I went, perfect. My in-laws are going down there next month. I'll send you some. And it was magic. So magic happened. So here you are on a fishing show, and we're going to start with the news. To- news, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. And so this is from, this first story is from the, I can't read hieroglyphics, the Canberra Times. And the headline is, The Mystery of a Team of Canberra Ghostbusters and a Freaky Fish. I'm always all in when I see Ghostbusters and Freaky Fishes in the same title. So, who are you going to call? <laughs> if you're after the real-life Ghostbuster, Dr. Peter Unmack is your man. The University of Canberra Research Fellow has led a team of scientists from the University of Cicero ghost hunting, tracking down the mysterious species of fish in two small creeks near Gunning. Now. 
this story first caught me because the the this is in Australia, but the doctor who's doing this in the photos is wearing a Nanfish shirt. Have you ever seen that that shirt before? I haven't. I was really hoping you'd tell me about that. So listeners of our podcast, we have a lot of NANFA members listening to the show. Uh, friend Olaf uh, is a listener, and he is one of the chapter presidents of NANFA. He designs a lot of these shirts. NANFA is North American Native Fishes Association, and this guy's in Australia. That is really cool. Isn't that cool? So it's a, I have this connection. I bet I know someone who knows him. I guarantee our listeners know who this guy is. Um, but I'm not going to read the whole story. But this is this is what's happening is is these guys are researching and they're trying to find out how do you get back an animal that was once extinct, right? And and they're finding that as these animals are reproducing, they're doing DNA testing and they're finding they're finding traces of an extinct fish in the DNA of modern carps. And so what they're trying to do is now can we extract that DNA from a modern carp? force some fish sex to happen in a test tube and create an extinct fish. And that's what they're doing. And it's so, so cool. It is really cool. In fact, my because best- mostly can. Yeah. Well, they can do it. And so they're working on a fish called the carp gudgeon, right? Um, and the, my, my favorite quote, and this is why you need to become a PhD, because if you're writing a scientific paper or being interviewed, it's really important that- First of all, PhD people, like scientists, especially fish scientists, are, um, are a special kind of breed of people. And so they like to like, be a little edgy. And so this guy, his quote, in the, this is in the newspaper, uh, I, can't, I think they can walk away thinking, holy shit, that's totally bizarre. That's, <laughs> that's a quote from him. Like he's, I love scientists who aren't afraid to say shit because it's exciting, you know. So basically, they're, they're, these, these, these animals die. They leave a ghost imprint of themselves. And now these scientists are capturing that, reproducing it, and growing fish that don't exist anymore. And it's really exciting. And so the implications, right? What do you, what do you think the implications are for this? I mean, you can get these fish that existed. You can get these fish that existed a while ago, so you can kind of see how the world was back then. Mm -hmm. You can see what kind of traits developed. Yeah, kind of where they all came from. All right, let's let me ask you a hypothetical. Right, you bring back a fish that's extinct. Now you've got the only one in the world that you created in a a test tube and in your lab. So like, hey, look, I made this cool new carp. That's an old carp. Doesn't exist anymore. Uh oh. Now I'm breaking every law in the world because now I have an endangered species and I can't do anything with it because it's the only one. Well, <laughs> I would secretly make a lot more of them yeah. before I told anybody. Yes, I have the carp that will take over the world. Um, but it, it's really cool. And yeah, the implications are they can bring back extinct species. They can recover streams that once got wiped out for whatever reason. They can bring those all back. And it's really cool. And it means a lot for the scientific community. It's, it's kind of a big breakthrough. It's really cool. And uh, that's why I like fish nerds, because people like this do cool shit, especially in New Zealand and Australia, because they do it with a good accent and criminals and things that will kill you. I mean, there's just another reason for me to want to move to New Zealand right there. Uh, yeah. well, I New realize Ze- that this is kind of Australia stuff and everything, but I, I personally prefer New Zealand. Yeah, well, we have a lot of listeners in both New Zealand and Australia, and, and uh, they're all super great and so much different than anyone we ever know up here. So I, I, I'd be all in on going down there. 
I'm trying to convince my wife to move down there, but you know, she has these silly things of us needing to be able to halfway afford the plane tickets and everything. Well, that's why you have to have a job before you go and have the job pay you to get down there. So what job, what do you do for a living, Chris, besides make a podcast, a world famous podcast? I do purchasing at a lumber yard. Right. Now, rumor has it, and that this is a speculation, that there are lumber yards in Australia and New Zealand. That's what I've heard. I still that, need to do my investigation. Yeah. I can't confirm it fully. It's looking I, promising, though. It's from promising. And what does your wife do? Um, right now, she is- Nothing. <laughs> I, I, yeah, don't let me say that to her. Um, no, right now she's doing some nannying and trying to get a um, like homeschool field trip set up with her mom. Perfect. So her parents live out on Wadmala out here. And this, for anybody who doesn't know, it's just a little Believe less. Believe me, nobody knows. Charleston. Yeah. And I, I really shouldn't have told anybody that because I'd like it to stay that way. <laughs> but they've got like a, three acres right on the marsh with a bunch of farm animals and stuff. So they're setting it up to where kids can come out there from their homeschool field trips and you know see the farm and see how linen and wool gets worked and stuff. And I mean, it's going to be really cool until I take my wife and move to New Zealand. Mm, and then, you know what? They need those same things in New Zealand. Yep. So she can do it down there Absolutely. and maybe we'll have the cool accent that time. I was about to say that. Like if you're the one visiting, you're the one with the accent, right? Cause they're all the locals. That's perfect. So I love it. All right. This is from bloomberg.com business week. Millennials tried to kill it, but tinned fish is making a comeback. Sardines in a can may not have, have cachet in the U S but around the world, they're considered an exotic, even luxurious option. Now, do you eat tinned fish? I do, but I haven't had it from a can since I was about seven. All right. So um, we do every year or so, we do on the, on the podcast, we do the, the tinned fish challenge where uh, Rich Collins, our fly fishing correspondent, usually buys six or eight different tinned fishes. And we get together with uh, extra whiskey and some buckets and napkins, and we uh, taste all the tinned fishes. And we do what we do a comparison taste test. So everything from really unique Asian foods to like very American canned fishes, we we get all in on. And it's a ton of fun. And and I, I recommend any listeners and you, Chris, and your wife, go to the store and buy a bunch of tinned fish that you have no idea what are and eat them. Without any uh, like don't put them in foods, eat them as they are. See, I'd be all for that. Yeah, I don't so mind trying fun. things at all. It's so much fun. Uh, but but there are, if you go back and listen to one of our previous episodes, you'll hear it. There are some, some things are delightful that look terrible. Um, and then other things uh, look like food and taste like hell. So you just never really know what tin fish is. But it is making a comeback. Uh, and it's getting more and more popular. Of all the things millennials have killed over the years, the slow death of seafood in a can may have provoked the least amount of hand wringing. When a 2016 U.S. Department of Agriculture report noted that a tinned tuna sales had fallen 42% over the previous three decades, most people seemed to agree it was for the best. But while these preserved foods might, have, uh, might be having a tough time in the U.S., the category is gaining traction elsewhere. The global market for canned fish is expected to reach $36.7 billion. 
uh, by 2021, up from 29.75 in 2016, according to Supermarket News, the only news for supermarkets. Uh, versions from Portugal and Spain, France, and other countries are prized as much for their locally caught fish, like anchovy, starting tuna, and for their colorful, collectible tins. So I'm not going to read the whole article, but it goes on and on like in that same direction. So now it's, it's like the unique stuff. Um, by the way, I'm okay with people not eating canned tuna fish. I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, I think that biggest problem of, of fish consumers in the world, not just, but mostly in the United States, is our lack of diversity in our fishes. So everyone eats canned tuna fish. It's pretty much how we all get it. But if people stop buying that and they started buying canned mackerel or other fishes, I think that's a much better move, at least as far as like ethics go. So Plus a better move for me, since my wife doesn't eat seafood, I try not to cook it at home too much. Mm. Well, the tin- then it, so the tin stuff, you know, I can probably sneak that in. Yeah. Well, because it doesn't smell like anything until you open the tin. And then right. sadly, your whole house smells like whatever was in that tin. So, um, but I recommend, for, like, like the tinned mackerel is always the worst because it always, you expect it to look like tuna fish, but the tinned mackerel I always find actually is like, it's like cut chunks of mackerel. It's cut right through the backbone and like this whole piece of mackerel in a tin, tails, fins, skins, bones, packed in some kind of oil uh, and it, it, very, very difficult to eat. Uh, and then you get like a nice kippered, um, herring and it's delightful to eat right so just the pendulum just swings so big i recommend if you ever see it and you won't see it very often but you guys have a nice big city now you'll probably find it if you find tin squid packed in its own ink i recommend you buy that and then while you're sitting at home watching what's your favorite show to binge on right now with your wife right now it's probably bojack horseman okay so you're watching bojack horseman with your wife what I want you to do is get that tinned fish without saying a word. I want you to get a can opener out because you have to use a can opener for that kind. And I want you to crank that top up <laughs> and I want you to dip a big spoon f- in there and scoop up a ball of tentacles dripping with squid ink and eat it in front of her without telling her what you're doing or acknowledging that you're doing it. And I want you to record it and, and uh, play it back for me later. That's your assignment. I don't know how serious you're being, but I'm going to take that 100% seriously. Uh, I am so serious. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you, to hear that because yeah. it's going to happen. Uh, do it. Or don't acknowledge that you're doing it. Just do it. Like, don't make a big deal. Be big, just make it very casual like it's your normal everyday activity. You know what'll make it even better? Yes. I'll do it for breakfast. Oh, <laughs> good. If you can find them, do it. Um, and I'm not even going to tell you what to expect. Just just go for it. I mean, we've got a couple little Asian supermarkets here. So You'll find it. That Pack seems it. like a good place to start. That's exactly where to start. But there's so much variety you can give tin fishes and so much you can do with it. There's entire cookbooks um, dedicated to tin fishes. There's so much out there. And there's even uh, in New England, we have restaurants that only use tin fish um the biggest most popular one is called salty girls in boston and they 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 specialize in tin fish meals gourmet style and uh it's it's so good it's so fun and again that's where you get the really cool fish that no one's ever heard of so i'm in I'm so in. mostly i just need to learn the word for mackerel in every language possible so i can stay away right well mackerel looks like mackerel in the can good <laughs> so. i can work with that then 
<laughs> right, good. All right, and this is from uh, next story from Manga Bay. Manga Bay uh, frequently is on our show. In fact, I think our last episode we had one of the one of the writers from Manga Bay on with his uh, ice hole art. Madeira River dams may spell doom for Amazon's marathon catfish studies. For Amazon's marathon catfish studies. Tough, tough title to read. Our independent monitoring of a giant Amazon catfish populated population in the Madeira River, a major tributary of the Amazon, confirms that two hydroelectric dams have virtually blocked the species' homing and migration upstairs, upstream, the longest known freshwater fish migration in the world. Uh, research completed in 2018 indicates a serious decline in catches in the gild, gilded catfish and other key commercial species of the Madeira, both upstream and downstream of the two dams. New modern techniques show that the disruption of the migration route raises the risk of extinction from both sea species. I actually don't have to read any more of this. Um, this is one of those kind of funny things. We're always trying to like look for the green energy, like what's the most efficient, the best for the environment. And for years and years and years, people think that 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 dams are green and good for the environment because there's no pollution from them. They don't have smokestacks. They look pretty. They create great places to play and fish, uh, but we always forget about these damn fish, right? Right. These damn fish, yeah. Uh, and the sad thing is, the math is easy on this. Now, in New Hampshire, where I live, we have a big river called the Merrimack River, and there are three, ma- four major dams in the river, and in the watershed, there are 1,700 dams, which is a lot of dams, <laughs> which means uh, when they built these dams, they effectively wiped out every migratory fish, or anatomist we call those fish, in the river. And now we've spent tens of billions of dollars trying to bring back those fish by building ladders and bypasses. And now there's a trend nationally to take dams out because they're finding that, like, I'll give you an example. So the Manchester Dam that I'm talking about covers the Merrimack River. It's 700 feet across. It's 55 feet tall. And it produces enough electricity to power 55,000 homes, which sounds like a lot, or the Mall of New Hampshire. So when you really break that down to what you can actually get out of that dam, it hardly seems worth even having it. Yeah, and I can't even imagine, you know, how bad that must have been for a fish just swimming along, going up the river like it's been doing its whole life for generations, and then all of a sudden, right into a dam. I thought you were going to tell the joke. No, no. Okay. <laughs> What's my kid telling me? that She's like, Dad, what do you call a fish that swims in a... What's a, what's a fish say when it swims in a brick wall? Damn. So, Did I really just let that one go? I thought you were going to go for it. I was like smiling. I'm like, do it, do it, build it in, build it in. And you missed it. Man. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't have to read the whole article. People who listen to this podcast get it. Dams are great places to fish. They're great for recreation. They make a little bit of electricity, but damn, they kill fish. They're bad news. Bad news. But you know, the alternative, we all use electricity, right? We all, we all are, share some of this uh, damn guilt. <laughs> um, that that pro- the, the problem of dams, you know, but uh, the fact that people are still building dams that's a bigger damn problem because we know better. And and do you, Chris? Do you know where you get your electricity from? The only thing I know is that I get it from the electric company. 
Right. And they don't, in their bill every month, they don't tell you, hey, this month you got 20% from the dam and 15% from solar and 85% from coal or whatever. You, you have no idea. Yeah. Like I know over at my in-law's house, they get a nice chunk of it from solar just because they've got the panels up on their own roof. Yeah. Oh, we had, we actually had a solar company come out and look at them at our house. And they said for what we pay for electric every month, we could have solar panels on our roof. Like our monthly that seems payment. about what they tell everybody, though. It, it, is, it is. The problem is, and so I said to them, okay, and so what are they, all the hidden costs? And it used to be if you made too much electricity that you would actually get a check from the electric company every month, they would buy it back from you. And now they, you pay a monthly fee to be hooked up to the grid, and if, they, if, and if you make too much electricity, they, they will buy it back for you with a credit at a small percent of what its actual value is. So the electric companies found that they were paying out too much money for electricity to the people producing it, the homeowners, and they changed the fee structures. Now they're making a profit on the back of us producers. Because as soon as your house is covered, covered with panels, you are now a producer, not just a consumer. And as long as you're in part of the grid the electric companies still want to make money off of you. So they'll charge you a monthly maintenance fee, a hookup fee, all this stuff so they can take your electricity from you for free. See, there's only one good solution to all this then. What's that? We yeah. all listen to Heather Welch, move to New Zealand, live mm -hmm. totally off the grid, and Ooh. set up solar power with generators. Well, it's cool. You know, so on my ice fishing shack, I have solar panels, batteries, electricity. I have everything you need. Like it's, and it's, it's, it's such a simple thing that you don't even need to be part of the grid to make it work. So there are times in the winter where at my own house, we lose power because of big storms, but my ice shack has heat and electricity all the time. <laughs> so, so do y'all just go hang out there during the storms and stuff? Nah, my, my wife's not game for that, but my kid, my kids would love it. You just snow, take a snowmobile right out during a blizzard, go in a little shack, turn the heat on, turn electricity on. Turn the radio on, drill some holes in the floor, do a little fishing. Sounds great. Watch, yeah, I'm Goon surprised. watch Goonies. I'm surprised we don't have more solar stuff set up like that here because we have to worry about hurricanes. Mm. So maybe part of it is just worried that the hurricane will mess up the infrastructure too. Uh, who knows? I mean, God, yeah, you guys do get them. But I don't know. But there's, there's got to be a better way. You know, a lot of states, they're starting to put tiny, small panels, like 100-watt panels, on every electrical pole. So every pole produces some electricity. And just that that volume is what makes it up. And if you did that, you can reduce, you can close dams. I also read once that if, you know, all those little lights you have on your computers and all those things you plug in the walls all the time that aren't using anything, but there's a little LED on each one of them. Yeah. Like the little, like it's plugged, it's plugged in light. Yep. <laughs> if, you if every American would unplug those, we can close down one dam just for that. So the equivalent of That's everyone like having those a simple thing too. Yeah, but right now I'm I'm saying that, but I am looking all around me, and there are little red and green lights everywhere. So I am guilty. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you fucker. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> all right, that's the news. news, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. All right, this podcast is brought to you by you, our listeners over at Patreon.com. Uh, one of the ways we support our show, one of the only way our show exists is because listeners donate money 
to the show. Uh, and if you go to over at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash fish nerds, you can see how to donate money to our show. Currently, we make about 85 bucks an episode, which is pretty good. And that just about covers our web hosting fees and what it costs to have it, what's called hosting on, on Libsyn. Get us onto your uh, Apple iTunes or onto your Google Play, whatever, however you're listening. It gets, us, it gets us into your ear holes. And it only gets there because you guys pay for it. And so we're asking you all listeners to go over to patreon.com slash fishnerds and give us $1 an episode. So that's roughly, I mean, right now we're averaging two episodes a month. It's like $2 a month. And get in there, give us your money. It makes a big, big difference. If you give us $25 an episode, we'll talk about your business on this show. Our friend Josh Lopes at LopesTax.com did that. He's a tax accountant from Massachusetts. If you need your taxes done, he's your man, and he gives us money. He's been doing it for years because he's a total fish nerd. Uh, but we have uh, prizes at all different levels, and it's a lot of fun. And we're re- actually redoing Patreon next month, so it'll be all different anyway. But get over there. Give us your money. One dollar means a lot to me and nothing to you. So give me your dollar. Um, is Play Comics on Patreon? Play Comics is on Patreon, but it's under there as Ninja Penguin Pods because I just have the one thing to cover Planet Comics and Medley Kids all in one shot. Okay, so you've got a network. Right. right. I see. And do you make any money at it? Not really. It's fairly new. Yeah, it takes a while. It takes a long time. We've been doing Patreon for four years. And most of our patrons, patrons, uh, patrons have been with us the entire time. They sign up, but they don't unsign up. It's wonderful. We really love that. Uh, and that's kind of the value of it is by not asking for like 30 bucks or $100, by asking for like one or $2 an episode, so like 4 bucks a month, um, it's not enough that hurts anyone's budget. But when you add it up over dozens of people, it, it's huge for the podcaster. So I always say to anyone, if you like a podcast that's the, the easiest way to support them is just with a very small donation you don't have to give it a high number to make a huge impact that, that whole nature of crowdfunding is just that very simple so. you can always get something good at it like for a dollar a month on mine you can get all the outtake reels oh, look at you working hard for your patrons I suck at Patreon management so I forget to take care of them as well as you do so yeah don't ditch us and go to them but go to them include us goodness with you <laughs> Outtake reels. I don't know what they even mean. <laughs> All right. This episode is also brought to you by the Fish Nerds Guide Service, your effing family boating adventures. We are opening mid-April, hopefully when the ice melts, to bring your family on the pontoon boat fishing adventure of your week. Best pontoon boat fishing you'll see all week. I speak. That's our new motto. I just made that up. Uh, but no, we have a great fun, and almost all of our trips, when it's warm, end with tubing and swimming. Uh, but if it's not warm, we just keep fishing. And we're having a big sale right now. You can get, uh, for the price of a six-hour fishing trip, um, for the price of a four-hour trip fishing trip, you can get a six-hour trip. Go to fishnerds.com, click on the um, fishing link, and you can see all of our deals. So lots of fun. And uh, fishing on a pontoon boat is way more fun than you think and way more comfortable than any other fishing boat out there. So do it. Here we are, fishing podcast. Play comics, meddling kids, Chris. Chris, let's talk about fishing. Let's talk about fishing. What is the, what is the thing about fishing that bothers you the most? I am not a patient person. Me either. I'm glad you said that. 
And, and what makes you think being patient equals more fishing? Mostly for me, I would go out with my dad growing up and like he enjoyed being out there and stuff, but neither one of us really knew what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So we'd go out, buy all our worms, wake up before the sun, and then not come home with anything. Yeah. And, and you find, you know, do you know the secret? I'm going to tell you a secret. Do you want to know why most people think you have to go fishing before the sun comes up? Why? Well, if you, so, so I'm married uh, to a very supportive, understanding wife who allows me to podcast and fish and do all the fishy nerd things I do. But, uh, and I have two kids, two daughters. But if I wake up, at, let's say I go fishing at seven and they're already all three of them out of bed. I don't get to go fishing because other things come up to do. But if I go fishing before they wake up, there's nobody to stop me. Mm, there's the evil genius right there. That's, it, that's the only, there's no other good reason to get up that early. It's because it, you can, you know, if you're not a morning person, just fish until dark, but you can't fish till dark because you've got people who rely on you to do other shit. So the only time you don't have stuff to do is sunrise. There's nothing to do at sunrise. No one expects you to do anything at sunrise, but you can go fishing. It's, that's your special magic time of the day. Now today, we, I, I, I'm going to whisper this. Today, I ditched work for half a day. I didn't tell anybody, especially my wife. And we went out to Lake Winnipesaukee, the biggest lake in New Hampshire, before the sun came up. When I say we, I mean Vinny uh, and... and uh, Dave Callum, the original founder of the Fish Nerds, to try and catch fish on Winnipesaukee. And we spent six hours out there. Don't tell anybody. And we didn't see a single fish. But we walked on water like Jesus. So there's that. I'd say that's a nice little trade. It's a nice trade. Now, getting skunked, though, like in my home waters, I never get skunked, personally. My clients occasionally do, but I don't. Have you ever been ice fishing before? I haven't. Wow, because there's no ice in your town. Not for long enough to make it worth it anyway. All right, so now here's the thing. Now you now have an open invite to come up to New Hampshire next winter and come ice fishing. And here's what I'm going to include with that trip. You can stay at my house in my guest room, which is my uh, my studio, which you can see now. Uh, I will drive you on a snowmobile to the fishing spot. You can sit inside a heated ice fishing shack. Your wife can come. Do you have any kids? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. If you do by then, they can come. And you can sit in my nice ice shack and you can jig and catch fish in, in the nice heat. Or if you're brave, go out in the elements and fish outside. And uh, we'll also feed you. That's a good deal. For free. All you got to do I mean, is get how here. Do you, how do you pass that up? I know. And I'm a professional, which means I'm good at it usually. So, but today, this is this week, uh, Sunday, it is the end of the ice fishing season in New Hampshire for the, for our big lakes. Um, and on the first, April 1st, Monday is when fishing in open water begins. Now there's a problem, Chris. You know what that problem is? I'm going to guess the weather isn't cooperating one way or another. <laughs> right. So the problem is today I walked on water uh, that was, that was solid, two and a half feet thick of solid water. And so even though technically on Monday that water is legally open to put my boat in and fish and not legal to walk on and drill a hole in and fish, uh, it's impossible (laughs) to put my boat in the water and fish it because 
there will still be two feet of ice there on Monday. So now what's the logic there? Because I mean, being somebody that doesn't have to deal with it, I'd think it would be more of like a, when the weather has been warm enough for long enough kind of thing. Yeah. Just an arbitrary date. Right. So that's the, so in May, that date, that's that same law existed. And the governor yesterday did an emergency proclamation extending the ice fishing season. So, like, they had to go a state of emergency, basically, to allow people to fish for two more weeks. That's in Maine. In New Hampshire, they're just, like, saying, just wait for the sun to come out. <laughs> and so, uh, they have no idea. I have no idea the logic. The logic is those lakes are managed especially for salmon and a fish called a lake trout. All the small ponds in New Hampshire, you can fish any way you want all year long in them. So, you can, I'm, I'll be ice fishing until mid-April on a small pond, but on the big lakes with the big fish, I cannot ice fish them, and I can't liquid water fish them either because there's no liquid water. And by the way, liquid water fishing is not a fishing term. It's just something I just made up. I'll scratch that out of my notebook. Yeah, delete that from your from your stuff. So, but we're but we're get kind of the end of the season is kind of sad. This year, we will have been ice fishing for a full six months. So six months of weather cold enough to walk on water, uh, and this is something new for you, Chris. You would not know what this is like. But for someone like me who loves ice fishing so much, I think ice fishing is the most precise, nerdy kind of fishing. Uh, I'm kind of sad. I'm actually super sad about it. I mean, I'm looking forward to open water fishing and fishing in my boat, but man, do I love ice fishing. Does it have just a random date picks for when it starts too, or does it Yes. So on those big lakes, the same ones that close April 1st, they open January 1st. So the January 1st to April 1st, to March 31st is ice fishing season on the big salmon lakes. And by the way, we call them salmon lakes, but it's not legal to catch salmon through the ice in New Hampshire either. Um, so it's, it's a whole other problem. But all the other lakes in the state, we can still, we can do it. So we, we started fishing um, just right around Thanksgiving this year, ice fishing. And we've been fishing probably till the second or third week of April on the small ponds. And I just love it. And this time of year is great because you go out in the ice and the ice is reflective and it's 40 degrees outside and sunny and the sun hits the ice and reflects up to your face and it intensifies and you get sunburned in the cold. And that sunburn feels so good. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Like, I love it when it gets to be 40 down here because <laughs> I know it's never going to finish and getting down to 30. Yeah. 40 for you guys, you guys are probably bundling up and, complaining <laughs> no, i'm the crazy person wearing just a hoodie while everybody else is like full-on snow gear oh my god and 40 for us you know my my daughter's out running around barefoot so it's just a whole different climate all right so we got a few minutes left chris i want to hear something from you give us give us something we need to know about you what's special what's magical about you well what's your superpower what- one time I was bit by a swan and swans <laughs> have teeth. They do. Nobody tells you they do this bastard. They're so mean. Our best theories are either that I walked too close to a nest or that they were used to getting fed and I didn't have anything to feed them with. Yeah. No, these are, um, when you say actual swan or like a Canada goose, no, like an actual swan swan. Okay. God. Cause Canada goose can do the same thing to you. I've, they're annoying. They like to walk down the middle of the road in my neighborhood, but I've never been bit by one. Not yet. It's only a matter of time. 
Right. Because that's one. I'm sure he told someone. They have a whole swan lake thing <laughs> where my right, parents live. Network. <laughs> so, so this one bit you. What was your reaction? I was a little kid. I freaked out. I ran away, mm-hmm. and I have never been able to go to that little park thing again because I'm scared of the swans. You're still scared of them. I'm still scared of them. Wow. Now, let's think. I'm trying to think of like, can we do some kind of swan therapy? Like, is there a way? To get you back to the swans in a way in which you feel safe and protected. What if we put you in a bubble? And then, like, can I use the bubble to bounce on top of the swans? You can't hurt the swans, but you can get within a few feet of the swans, and no matter how angry they are, they cannot hurt you. Mm, See, I still wouldn't want to do it. Or even better, exposure therapy put you in the bubble with a couple of swans. That's just a matter of how fast I would shit my pants. <laughs> it's perfect. Now, um, would you eat a swan? I would definitely eat a swan. Yeah, so would I. No problem. Uh, swans and geese, <laughs> totally in the food box. So, yeah, that, that's it. That's your magic powers being eaten, eaten by swans. I can work with that. It's a lot better than if I had told you the seagull story. Oh, well, now, you have, now you have no choice. So my wife and I can't leave with that. I know, so, right? <laughs> my wife and I were out at the beach one day because that's what you do in Charleston. Mm-hmm. And we had turkey sandwiches. So we pull them out. Because that's what you eat. Lunch. Yep. It was what was on sale at the grocery store. I mean, you know, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> and I've got the sandwich in my hand. And my wife and I are sitting basically shoulders touching on the beach. And the seagull flies down between our heads <laughs> and steals the turkey sandwich out of my hand. Those I, bastards. Cannibals. Cannibals? Oh, close enough. It's still a bird eating a bird. Still a bird eating. That's common, though. That's common. Now, last time I was in Charleston, I was taking a nap on the beach, and my kids thought it'd be hilarious if they took a bag of chips and dumped them on me while I was sleeping. And so I had I had gulls all over me. And your gulls down there aren't like our gulls up here in New England. They are mean and in your face and not afraid of you. No, not it's at all. Tough. It's because everybody feeds them because they think they're so cute. Yeah, they're not. They're just flying and, rats. Yeah, and by the way, there's no there's no animal called a seagull. Let me just tell you that. <laughs> so, I'm glad we had this talk. I learned many things today. <laughs> many things. Uh, before we go, I do need to announce a contest. We are holding a contest. It is contest time. If you call our Fish Nerds hotline, the FN hotline, 607-378-FISH, 607-378-FISH, and you leave us your favorite or least favorite fishy quote, you can win an FN prize package that includes some glass water, lead-free lures. We only fish with lead-free lures here uh, at Fish Nerds. A... Uh, Effin hat, Fishner's hat, some decals, some surprises, and more. So call us up, 607-378-FISH, and say, hey, my name is Clay. Don't say my name is Clay. Say your own name. Uh, and my favorite fishy quote is, uh, yesterday was a great day to fish, and tomorrow will be better than today. And leave it on there and tell us if you love it or hate it. And we will randomize all your answers, playing them all on the show, and uh, you can you can win this prize package. We are going to run this contest through the middle of April. So April 15th is when this ends. 
Uh, I will play an example right after this so you can hear it. And if you run a podcast or you've got a company you want to promote, you can certainly leave your website on there and I will include it on the show for free. You can plug whatever you want. Um, so 607-378-FISH and leave us your favorite or least favorite fishy quote. It'll be a lot of fun. Hey, Clay, this is David Redden from Southern Maryland, and I was calling in because you asked people to um, give your favorite expression about fishing um, or the one that you use the most. I, I heard it described one time as fishing is a jerk on one end of a line waiting for a pull on the other. Uh, that's, that's my favorite expression. Have a great day. Catch you later. Bye. So that's it. You've listened to a bunch of nerds when you should have been fishing. We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast and act like a bunch of nerds. Yeah, totally acting. It's, it's not real. I'm just acting. Uh, special thanks to Chris from Play Comics at playcomics.com and meddlingkidspod.com. A big time famous podcaster. He gave up a lot of time for us, and we really appreciate it. Special thanks to Diana's Bath Salts for our news theme, and Wally Pleasant for our show theme. We, we um, by the way, what do you think of our show theme song? I mean, I did hunt you down so I could play it in my show. I yes, love it. So you like it? Yeah, I like it too. Fun fact: Wally Pleasant. I saw him play when I was 18 years old in Stockton State College, in New Jersey, and he looked just like Morrissey. But he sang folk songs about bad haircuts and stupid day jobs and all this kind of stuff. And I just fell in love with his music and loved him ever since. And then I had him on the show uh, about, gosh, less than a year ago because he had a, I found a book on Amazon called 1,101 uh, Oyster Jokes that he wrote. And so I found an excuse to get him on the show. And then I, while he was on the show, I said, Wally, I would be your best friend if you made me a, a theme song. And he, a few months later, sent me this theme song. So it's, it's really cool. <laughs> he did that. And I'm a huge fan of it. So like, I, love it. I definitely and, haven't had it stuck in my head all day at all. Oh, uh, it's great. And it's funny. We play, you, you played it. Um, it gets played in the varmints podcast all the time. And frequently people ask me if they can just hear it. So I should put it out as a ringtone or as a free download for a Patreon subscriber or something, because it's, it's pretty damn good. <laughs> I think. And it's, it's just ridiculous. So go ahead keep reading. Until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds. Spawn early and often. And never trust a free lunch with strings attached. And swim and against the current every chance you get. You did it. You made an effing podcast. Congratulations. You named a fish nerds on purpose just so you could say FN all the time, didn't you? It, you know, there's not a lot I do on accident. So. <laughs> But I do like saying F and everything. So we have F and swag. We got an F and podcast. I got an F and new microphone. It's fun. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet, or deep in the ocean casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the halibut. Fried in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast.